Anyway, let's dive in. Just do the exercises. <laughs> Just do <laughs> la 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 la. I am not a wizard. 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 That'll do. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards, you lucky people. My name is Richard. And I'm Stephen Tudor. <laughs> and Stephen Tudor's from Polyhedron Collider. And I'm yes, indeed. you are indeed. So good evening, Mr good Stephen evening. Tudor. For, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me on. Well, I had to. Well, yeah, you had to really. <laughs> Congratulate the obliged after it bringing was... those other two on first, didn't you? <laughs> it was kind of... It was kind of getting awkward in the corridor when we passed each other at work. Do you know what I mean? I started having to hide my face and kind of whistle as I went past. Oh, there's Steve. Hi, when can I come on? Well, sorry. No, I've got I've got a lunch. Sorry, Steve. Got a lunch. Well, it's usually just, oh, no, I've got Jamie Stegmeyer on or I've got <laughs> such and such person on, you know. I am, I am turning into um, the Molly Sugden's bridesmaid character off of the f- <laughs> off of little Britain. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just a chat. Do you know what I mean? And so I was, you know, I was just playing um I was playing some Wasteland Express delivery service the other day and I had John Gilmore on the live chat and I was just asking him about some key mechanics and then lo and behold who turns up but Christopher Bedell from Greater Than Games and we had a chingwag as well. But then James Hudson had to get on in the live cam. It's just <sighs> Anyway, it's good to have you yeah. on. Yeah, good to be on. So I suppose we better do the admin stuff. For people yeah. who aren't aware, the reason, well, the reason, first of all, that we have Steve Tudor from Polyhedron Collider on is because they have been referred to as the top gear of board games, as in the top gear of board gaming podcasts and general media. Now, I will leave you to decide, because we've had everybody on now, and I'll leave you to decide until the end of the episode which character is which. We do believe potentially that Andy Lewis does say that he thinks that Steve is very much like Jeremy Clarkson, but we shall arrange for them to wrestle that out in some kind of mud-covered pit. Um, if I was just to say, cock, I think that puts <laughs> it into context. And that'll be the explicit rating on well, the podcast. Well, I was talking about a male chicken, of course. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was trying to think of a, a cool analogy, but the only thing I could come up with is, was, you know, I'd like to think that I am the Matt LeBlanc to your original Top Gear, but then I've obviously actually just Chris Evans. <laughs> it's kind of, let's what, kind of be honest. Is, is that is that Colin? Because Colin would have been Chris Evans, and now he's not on as much. He was always on as much. He's just, it's just that I happen to keep asking people if you'd like to be on the podcast, and then the next thing that happens is they come on the podcast, and then 
me and Colin don't get a chance to play stuff and then Colin is coming back on. But however, <laughs> that is all going to be rectified in the next couple of weeks because Colin's going to become a regular feature <gasps> on the show. That's an exclusive. I'm just going to say. Um, <laughs> first, folks. There you go. It's an exclusive. Colin is coming back every single month, guaranteed at least a show. We're going to ditch the existing format, not because it doesn't work, but just because it means we don't get enough time to chat. And it means that he will be coming back on on a regular basis. So there you go. You've heard it here first on our live on our. This could be our hundredth show. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting dreadfully close. It's terrible. Um, the reason that we do this, and people are just going to go, I've no idea why I'm even tuning into this because this is just a ramshackled, <laughs> ex- <laughs> ramshackled attempt at a podcast this evening. But the reason that we do this is we wholeheartedly believe that apart from a couple of other podcasts out there that shall remain nameless, I've heard there's something called Gaming Rules that exists quite recently, which I need to check out. Um, I've heard, oh, I don't know if that's good or not. I don't know. Not listened to that. No. Nope. No idea who that is at all. Nope. And apart nope. from that and Polyhedron Collider, there are quite simply not enough podcasts out there about board games. No, definitely not. Nope. Needs to be more. Yeah. Needs to be a lot more. <laughs> there needs to be a, at Actually, least enough. Actually, no. I don't what? want any more. I don't want the competition. <laughs> it's hard enough <laughs> as it is. <laughs> And the other reason that we do this is because it's been a while since you had two old guys, old white guys, giving their opinion about cardboard. <laughs> I mean, I can't think it, of it's any a niche. place. It's, 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 a, it's a very narrow and deep niche that we fill here. It's like a fantasy flight trench. <laughs> <laughs> what? When you try cardboard to stick, and mostly useless. <laughs> when you try to stick descent back in the box and you're like, I meant to fit three of these in here. It's not going to happen. Um, I this is just yeah, it's just gone all over the place. We have potentially have questions, Ooh. which we're going to kind of scatter gun through the show. Okay. Normally we do follow um, a certain format, but um, <clears throat> since this is the third time we've had somebody on from Polyhedron Collider, I thought the best thing to do would be just to mix it up just a little bit. Oh, keep me on my toes and put. Put Steve on his toes a little bit, so we do have some questions, but that means that I have to scroll to the right bit in, in Twitter to find them. So we're not going to do that, um, as we do on the show all the time. We like to do a bit of history lesson. So this is kind of like how many episodes are you in on the show? Was it thirty-five, thirty-six? Um, it's about that, yeah. Yeah, because I was listening to the most recent one. I do listen, you see. Mm. I do listen because I don't like the way you talk to John about Talisman, which is why we brought him <laughs> just why we brought him on to do his entire episode. Well that's it, you get it out of his system. So exactly. he doesn't need to talk about Talisman on our show for at least another three episodes. <laughs> I think he lasted half an episode though. I think he actually did bring it up. He did, um, but that was only because he was talking about Labyrinth, the board game. Which, which... I was quite surprised how similar it was to Talisman. <laughs> He always says, like, it's a bit like Talisman, this game. And you're kind of going, oh, God, this is going to be the most tenuous link ever. And then he starts describing Labyrinth. It's like, no, this is exactly the same bloody game as Talisman. So I was really quite shocked at that. I said, I, I, it sounded like it was a little bit better than Talisman. That's not true. That's not true. That's not fair on John. No. 
We take it. We take the mick out of John enough on our own podcast. I should probably I leave him alone on this one, shouldn't I? I think, was, yeah, you, sh- you probably. Well, it doesn't matter. You can say what you want because then I might have to edit. But it's, I heard Andy saying it doesn't matter because I don't edit anything anyway. That's not true. There's a lot of work that goes into making this show, Mr. Lewis. I'd like to point out. Thank you very much. Well, yeah. I mean, he just he just rocks up to record and he's half cut. In his smoking jacket, you know, talks bollocks for an hour and a half, and then I've got to somehow rescue a program from the ashes of that mess he's left behind. Which is amazing, because usually you can get a good half hour of this stuff. <laughs> um, Polyhedron Collider has been... It's kind of been the silent... The silent little engine that could... It's been... It's a delightful kind of mixture of... Your review side of things of the site, you've got your podcast which you put out there and you have kind of cut your little niche and we do joke about it, but it's a genuinely entertaining piece of entertainment that you guys have managed to kind of fall into. Well, thank you very much. But that's the present. Yeah. Staring back, and this is when we needed the webcam. Because you can actually see me pointing. Because I actually do point to remind myself, as I said. <laughs> Staring back at the past, Mr. T, mm-hmm. when do you reckon that you first enjoyed the company of pressed and printed trees? Oh, I think the um, the catalyst moment will be one that I think many listeners of this podcast will be aware of, because I've noticed that a few of your guests. It will be way back around about 1989 with the uh-huh. release of One Hero Quest. So I was about 10 years old and I had this for a Christmas present. Uh-huh. And I can't remember, I, I don't think it's quite the first thing that got me into it because I'm, I'm struggling to remember what happened when. Because I remember getting into, I got Hero Quest and I remember stumbling into final uh, Fighting Fantasy books. Mm-hmm. Uh, via Grail Quest books, which I don't think they've survived really. They were, it, um, in fairness, Grail Quest mm-hmm. written were written infinitely better and had a vast amount of humour in them. Yes, I do remember them being quite funny, but it was donkey's years ago since I last read a Grail Quest book. Um, but I remember getting Hero Quest, and I remember getting drawn in by that advert. Yeah, the one that's now. Classic on YouTube, the old blood thawed. Blood thawed. I distinctly remember that advert because you don't get board games these days having adverts that you don't plush. Get no. I mean, yeah, how much money went into that? You know, they, they made their sets, their costumes, they even got a dwarf and dressed him up as a goblin at some <laughs> point in it. I mean,. <laughs> Just that did mask they, alone must have cost them quite a bit of money. Did they have Wolf from Gladiator in it? Because I thought oh, oh, every, sing, every single kind of muscle man that went about was always Wolf from Gladiator. <laughs> I don't know, I can't remember that. Maybe it he was. was in, maybe it was. I remember, do you know, I, just as a quick backpedal, I remember the Space Crusade advert and they actually dressed the guys up to look like proper space marines. And I, I remember looking at that. I don't remember that one. I'm gonna have to look that up on YouTube as soon as we finish this because I haven't seen that. Have to look at, oh, do you know what they could do? You could do it. Look up right now. and We could do like a reaction because <laughs> they do reaction things on YouTube. Do you know what I mean? Oh and here, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And here's Kilo Dave. Kilo Dave's about to open up a packet of crisps. Oh, they're new crisps. He's never tried pickled onion before. Let's see what happens when he eats pickled onion. 
That kind of nonsense. But oh, we will leave yeah, it. We'll, no. we'll save it for later on. But um, yeah, Hero Quest. So I was around about the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if you remember, but on the back of that little uh, instruction manual was a little thing that showed you all the miniatures painted, you know, by professional painters. Yes. And this little thing, like, if you'd like to know more information about painting, please send a stamped addressed envelope to this address. And uh, I did that and got the Citadel Miniatures Painting Guide. Oh my goodness. Which had all these other miniatures in. You know, there was more wizards, there was aliens, there was these blokes in these, with guns in armour. Like It's like, what the hell is all this? And I, I can't Sorry. remember what order other things happened, but I remember getting Space Crusade, I remember getting this painting guide, the Space Crusade painting guide, the couple of issues of White Dwarf, because they had... Um, Hero Quest and Space Crusade issues. Yeah, they did. Which are the only two I've actually kept of all my uh, White Dwarf magazines. I've binned a lot of them about five years ago, but I've kept those two ones. And um, yeah, from there it just led on. It just you know that introduced me to Games Workshop. And were you a Warhammer boy then? I was a Space Marine boy. Mm. So if you, most people call it epic. Yeah. But I remember the iteration that came out about, ooh, about 91, 92 was called Space Marine, and that was the first game we got into, me and my friends, and that was the one we played the most. Um, I remember Did- everyone, everyone else getting Warhammer Fantasy, but I never really got into that because I couldn't afford an army. <laughs> so how many how many characters did you have then? Oh, um, I can't remember what we had now. I know I had... I had an elder army for Space Marine, and I can't remember what how, what we could manage to plug together. But I remember we also we'd never we play a little bit fast and loose with the rules sometimes. So yeah, like my friend had bought Titus Titan Legions a little bit mm. later, and so we had we mixed and matched the kind of Imperial and Elder stuff to fight against the Orcs and that kind of thing. And what we used to use because we didn't have a gaming table, we mate had uh, Battle Masters. If you remember that. I have Battle Masters. You still um, have Battle Masters. I've got it <laughs> upstairs. <laughs> we 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 played that quite a lot, and then we realised that if we put a couple of books under the Battle Masters mat, you could make three D hills. <laughs> and then plonk the spate that the epic Space Marine buildings on as well, and it, you oh. know, all of a sudden you've got this three D terrain. It's fantastic. <laughs> so you were about twenty years earlier than what they do in Kickstarter nowadays, which is print and make your own scenery. Yeah, basically you were just bodging <laughs> it together with whatever we could find. Young Mr. Tudor was already in there. You could do one of those um copyright claims that they seem to do these bogus companies that kinda of turn up and start guessing. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're you're using the breathe in mechanic on your young on your lungs. Um we we've got a patent on that, so we're suing everybody. Um that kind of nonsense. Um so you moved on. Did you do what most people do, which is you reached a point in your your life where you had the trouser legs of time? <laughs> yeah. And you could, either go, you could either go down the left trouser leg and take yourself up with your miniatures and your plastic and keep on playing. Or you could go down the right trouser leg and follow other interests which kind of drifted you away. From the kind of the, the plastic oh, and cardboard well, world. No, it was it was more just circumstance really that led me down the right trouser leg. <laughs> 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 the, 
the other game that kind of I got roughly at the same time, and this was just randomly out of that the K's catalogue. I remember seeing it was the um, was the old. Uh, oh I got Dungeons and Dragons the year after I got Hero Quest. We need to explain the case catalogue. We probably do. There's probably some. There's probably other people too young. Or, there's probably uh, people who don't remember. Or, or Americans who won't know this thing is. Yeah. Um. What when you were younger, um, you used to get like a book full of stuff. This was like when before they had the internet, and what they used to do is they used to put the internet in a book, <laughs> and they used to put lot. They used to put lots of pictures in it. They even had a pictures. For shoes, and they also had the ladies, the ladies section, the ladies um, section, section, which sometimes you'd look at. Um, I think I think many many a young boy became a man (laughs) based on that case (laughs) catalogue. But then they had prices, and then what you would do is that you'd bug your mum, and you'd say, (laughs) "Mum, I want this, please. I want Space Crusade because I got Space Crusade either from the Littlewoods catalogue or the case catalogue. I can't remember." And it'd be a picture, and it'd have the price next to it, and then it would say it can be yours for, and it was only twenty four ninety nine, which I remember was really expensive at the time. Or you can pay like one pound twenty two over one hundred and seventy seven weeks or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> Interest this, rate of like three hundred percent or something, something like that. Ridiculous like that. But you had the case catalogue, and that was that was your entire world. And 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 what you would do is. When you was sitting there waiting for Space Crusade to arrive, all you had was that one picture. Because mm-hmm. you couldn't go anywhere else and look at stuff. There wasn't no. any previews. There wasn't any reviews. There wasn't any videos. You just had the case catalogue and that was it. So it was the internet in a book. Well, that that's exactly what happened with Dungeons & Dragons, actually, because <laughs> it was in this case catalogue <laughs> next to Hero Quest. So I assumed at the time it was a board game based on the old cartoon. Oh, yeah. I had no idea this whole RPG thing existed. You know, the only reference to Dungeons and Dragons I'd ever seen was the old uh, Dungeons and Dragons ride cartoon. <laughs> you know, Dungeon Master and oh, Unicorn and all that. Venger, you need yeah. a unicorn. Frank Welker. <laughs> Frank Welker did the voice, and it had was it. Yeah, Dungeon Master. Oh, this is an art. Oh my goodness, this is going to have to be a whole explanation, kids. During their late mid to late 80s, um, Dungeons and Dragons decided to take a more family-friendly theme in the format of a weekly cartoon, serial cartoon, where a group of about four or five friends found themselves transported essentially into the Dungeons and Dragons world through the format of a Dungeons and Dragons roller coaster. You had different people taking on different roles. So you had a ranger, you had a knight, you had like an acrobat, you had a thief and you had a wizard. And you had a little barbarian, Bobby the Barbarian. But on Bobby top of that, on t- it was like Sheila, the acrobat. And yeah, um, and so they were going up and a dungeon master kind of appeared. Dungeon master who had ultimate power, but who was actually a bit of a bastard. He was a bit, wasn't he? <laughs> because him being the dungeon master, there was nothing wrong with him clacking his fingers and just sending them home. But he decided to put them through about three or four series of this. So it was a 1980s cartoon. Check it out on YouTube. It's uh, very interesting because it had Tiamat in it, didn't it? It did have Tiamat in, yeah. <clears throat> I don't think that's probably aged very well either. It's probably not, but it was I a fan. I think it was Hanna Barbera as well, so they were renowned for making really cheap cartoons, weren't they? <laughs> it's as cheap, cheap as possible. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, we're gonna have to. Um, we're gonna have to. Um, we're not stopping the podcast, but what we're doing is everybody. We're gonna have a. 
Was it they would have that? <laughs> you can sing the tune after they play this. <laughs> Giving everyone a chance to go look at the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon and for the Space Crusade advert. <laughs> yeah, you could do things at the same time, and then when you come back after these choice messages, and then we could cut to like pretending we were doing a Space Crusade. Yeah, there you go. Because it did have, it had a ranger, it had Bobby the Barbarian, uh, it had the wizard, it had Sheila, and then it had the, Eric was the knight, and then it had somebody else, I can't remember, but there was like brother and sister, and you always thought that the ranger and the thief girl were going to get it on, but it didn't happen because it was a kid show. Yeah. I don't think but they ever got home either, did they? I think... Was that, I didn't th- they read something? They, they, they never actually finished making it. There was supposed to be another series and it got ca- cancelled, so they never th- actually got home. Yeah, I think they kind of got to almost the end, and um, yeah, I think they kind of got to. Oh my goodness, yeah, season, yeah, season, season three, episode six. I can't remember if this is it. We go the cave of the fairy dragons. This is amazing. Everybody's like sitting there going, "Yeah, I could have gone and watched this on YouTube." Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, no, it doesn't matter. We can always come back to it. other good eighties cartoons. Do you remember Mask, Steve? I do remember Mask. I used to love Mask. Mask, do you remember Centurions? Uh, was Cent- oh, Power Extreme! Yes! Yes! <laughs> yeah, oh, and do you remember yeah, the toys? Them. The toys used to be huge. The toys used yeah. to be about eight or nine inches high and you used to be able to attach all the stuff, but they only ever seemed to sell in the UK was the really, really, just the basic stuff. Yeah, I, I had the, um, well, the blue guy. He was the, the air expert, so he turned into a jet. Was he not called Max? Oh, it was certainly the 80s like that, yeah. It was something that was obvious. It was like my name basically told you what I did kind of thing. Yeah, Mask was good. I like Mask, but they turned Mask into kind of like a racing series kind of halfway through, I remember, because people complained that there was too much violence in it, so they Um. ruined it. You know, but that's it. Now, me and Steve are on our little nostalgia bubble. (laughs) You could just all leave us. You could just all leave us alone. But Tiamat, yes. <coughs> Dungeons and Dragons, and then you disappeared down the right hand trouser leg. I'm guessing so, following other yeah. trouser things. Well, what happened was I remember playing, so I was, you know, into me miniatures games, into whatever little board games you had, hmm. uh, which was mainly just games, workshop games. So you're looking at Space Hulk, Blood Bowl, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And then during this time, I'm also playing um, Dungeons and Dragons loads. I go to uni and I join up um, a role-playing club in uni. So I'm playing like Vampire and other really weird indie RPGs I've never be- seen before or since. <laughs> um, and I also remember we played we played RPGs with my housemates because most of my housemates were into this kind of thing as well. So we played a bit of Necromunda, a bit of Magic, a bit of uh, D&D then. And I just remember leaving uni, moving house to go get a job, and it just dying... It just ended at that point. I remember there being a time that it just, it, apart from maybe the selected places like Forbidden Planet and things like that at that time, there wasn't really even kind of like comic book shops or no, you anything. Never really saw anything, anything you did never, you? No, and of course you didn't have the internet, and the case catalogue sadly had kind of left us by that We're time in that as wilderness well. period, wasn't it? You know, before the end of. Case is gone, internet hasn't picked up. No. And I actually really remember somebody talking about Warhammer 40,000 once. 
Mm. And they started started talking about it with him, and I got I got my interest peaked up, and I think, oh, hang on, is, am I going to find someone who's going to play forty k with me again, so I can get back into all this? And it ended the entire conversation with, oh yeah, I used to play that stuff, but I've grown up now. <laughs> and I just remember like my heart dropping at that point. It's like, all right, okay, that's it. As you said, down, I, I've, I'm fully down the right trouser leg now. I'm <laughs> heading it. towards the socks. <laughs> it's like airplane, and that's when I end up getting my drinking problem. <laughs> yeah. Just throw a glass of juice in your face, and away, and away you kind of go. But then the only thing that seemed to be kicking about was Games Workshop. So at the time, yeah, I, Games Workshop was the you know no wonder it dominated because it really was the only place you could get kind of anything and even then White Dwarf it said itself just had adverts to buy kind of more um, more games workshop wasn't it it was only if and I remember this it was only if there was adverts sometimes in I think the games workshop magazine potentially for other places that sold the miniatures and sometimes I, they would send you a catalogue with the other stuff that you could get. Yeah, and they were licensed miniatures at one point, were they? You could yeah. buy other people's miniatures to play in Games Workshop games. But I also remember, I distinctly remember the point in which White Dwarf stopped doing external adverts. And that was only like three or four issues into me starting getting it. So we're about like 92, 93. Yeah. They stopped advertising. I remember, I remember seeing adverts for video games in there, and oh, yeah. um, these weird um, premium rate RPGs, where you phoned up a premium rate telephone number to play an RPG. Oh my goodness! We were talking about this like the other day. Have you ever seen the comedy sketch? Was it Flankenhoof? Oh no, I don't have seen that. Oh my goodness! You have to watch. This is another. I'm going to send you an entire. And everybody that's listening out there, it's called. Uh, it's by Limmy. And I think it's a flanking hoof. And it is based around one of these premium rate um, numbers. And it's just absolutely <laughs> hilarious because the guy... Um, oh, is it flanking hoof? Come on. It's something anyway. People are going to be screaming at me. This is back to, like, <laughs> bloody hackers again in that. <laughs> <laughs> so what's that thing again called? Oh, what's that the... film where Angelina Jolie plays a hacker? <laughs> I'm glad we could kind of bring that up. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, you know, um, we would just like to make it make you aware that we were playing you um, all the way along and that we were glad that you picked up because we were just checking because we like, we you know, we like how to... I, I could believe you were playing me. I, I know John <laughs> wouldn't be. John has no concept of pop culture at all. <laughs> Falkenhoof. <laughs> The guy, the thing is called Falkenhoof, and it's just basically it's like you can imagine a really you can imagine it's it's like a Scottish guy going, and you're going west into the pit of Achramati. What do you do? And then this guy kind of does something, and there's a big argument, and it's just a Glaswegian guy just getting really angry at the end, and the best kind of Glaswegian, the Glaswegian way around. Um. <clears throat> When did you go back into cardboard then? What kind of then got so, you switched switch round, did your 180 and got you back up the trouser leg again? What a stupid analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Heading back towards the crotch. Um, <laughs> yes, back to the bumhole of cardboard. <laughs> yeah, this analogy's fallen down, isn't it? It's just completely... Um, 
Weirdly, it was the Xbox. Oh, okay. This is this is a really weird way in which it happened, but um, the Xbox went down the year that Modern Warfare came out. The Xbox Live went down. So Call of Duty was it Call of Duty Four? Modern Warfare, if you can remember yeah. back that far. Um it was so popular and everyone got it on Christmas Day that Xbox Live went down for like forty eight hours. And um as a way of compensation they gave everyone two free games for Xbox Live. Yeah. This is like way in the early days of Xbox Live when all games were like fifty megabytes, so they were all quite kind of simple <laughs> and indie. And one of them was, was uh Carcassonne. Oh yeah. A digital version of Carcassonne. And I remember playing it quite a lot, actually, because um, back then as well, me and my friends used to do like Xbox LAN parties as well. So we'd all take our Xbox down to a friend's house and hook them up to TVs and play oh Halo all day. That, that seemed like it wasn't that long ago, and I think back, that's getting on for like 10, 15 years now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. one of my like friends Sunday there... says 2005, and you're like, oh, two years ago. Um, yeah. It's like, not. It's 12. Oh, bugger. <laughs> <laughs> So one of my friends, there was really into Carcassonne. And I was, we, I used to play against him all the time and play on on live. And then um, my current wife, I say current wife, like I've had several, but my <laughs> wife, <laughs> I've only had the one. Do you want to start that sentence again? Yeah. And can, let me just, cl- I'm going to click here so we can edit. Click, and then and then you, no, I'm, and then you can try. Okay, start again. My wife. So my my <laughs> wife moves in with me, uh, right. my girlfriend at the time, and. Um, my she God. starts playing. My, my, my wife loves video games. She's upstairs playing World of Warcraft at the moment. Actually. All right, okay. Um, so she starts playing some games on the Xbox, finds Carcassonne, and absolutely loves it. And I decide that since it is a board game, I'm going to go down, going to go out and hunt down this game. Mm-hmm. And so I just remember spending an afternoon in Worcester, just with a list of all these shops I'd found like online and yellow pages that might sell board games i was trying to access that part of my brain because i hadn't been to a board game shop since university like oh 15 years previously or something daft like that trying to was access this like, like what... was this like fly fishing with gr hartley <laughs> yeah it was exactly like that it's like i'm, I'm, I'm going okay, to we got explain the, we've got to explain this so, oh, guys to explain all our references <laughs> yeah, okay, okay kids <laughs> During the late, um, the late 80s, early 90s, there was a, an advert for um, the Yellow Pages. We have to explain the Yellow Pages as well. <laughs> we could be here all day. Yellow, yellow Pages is like the address book of the internet in a big yellow book. Because you couldn't find where things were unless you had a Yellow Pages. It had a list of all plumbers and stuff. You know, <clears throat> nowadays you just go, okay, Google, find me a plumber. Well, in that day you didn't. You had the Yellow Pages. And they used to do a series of kind of generally invented well, they adverts. used to do adverts for them didn't yeah. they which was really weird because yeah. I don't know I lived in the arse end of nowhere I lived up in North Wales we only had the yellow pages so there was no competition <laughs> you know, it's not like as if I'm going to get that information from anywhere else yeah, no, I there's the adverts for it but anyway there's a series of there was a series of popular adverts regarding um, a gentleman who was looking for a book called um, Book About Fly Fishing by J.R. Hartley and the oh, premise dear. of the art, <laughs> exactly. Do you have fly fishing by J.R. Hartley? Ah, Hartley. 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 <laughs> it is rather old. Um, <clears throat> and he went round all these shops, and every time, and then you get there was obviously parts in the advert you had people 
obviously was this was one of their first acting it? Yeah. <laughs> it was a montage of rejection <laughs> as this guy went from shop to shop and you always remember there was the one guy in the bookshop who just obviously he really grabbed onto the row and you could really see he was like just turning around and going no <laughs> <laughs> shaking his head at the same time get out my shop you get and then obviously at the end he um <clears throat> he phones up the yellow pages and and he goes oh oh you do oh you have yes oh my name yes it's J R Hartley and that advert went on for years it was wasn't it it's on for donkeys years did they not have a follow up advert and they had like his son finding the same book or some nonsense like that there was anyway some, yeah it was nowhere near as popular anyway yes it, w- it was just like that it was it was just like that me going around shops in Worcester and me going do you, do you sell board games and them going no what what why would you what? sell board games you mischievous oink yes have you tried games workshop no I'm not that bloody stupid come on <laughs> So he's not going to be stocking Carcassonne, is he? <laughs> How many times did you get told that? Oh yeah, we've got Carcassork. <laughs> Isn't that Blood Bowl? Um, it could be. <laughs> so you finally tracked it down. So I finally tracked it down. Yeah, I found a toy shop in Worcester that sold board games, and um, it was like walking into Santa's Grotto. It really was. It was just like I found Carcassonne on the shelf, and then next to where it was, like in his, because all the boxes were kind of stacked side on so you can see the name in the box hmm. except for one or two boxes were obviously like okay these are the items we really want to try and flog and facing me was at full glory was Arkham Horror oh not Talisman then no no not <laughs> Talisman I should I should point out that John had already got Talisman at this point and so was so oh, in the right. seeds so he'd already, he already had Talisman he already had Robo Rally so All right. I think he'd already been so in the seeds of getting these board games but that was the kind of real light bulb moment because I'd played loads of Call of Cthulhu RPG yeah, and I saw this Call of... because it was, it was still advertised at that point as being a Call of Cthulhu board game something mm. which I noticed they've uh, surreptitiously dropped from that range and so it was like oh my god, what is this? I need this in my life <laughs> and then that just basically I then found Board Game Geek and some other websites and basically that's it then, I've now in crippling debt and uh, have a room full of pressed pretty cardboard do you still have that copy of Carcassonne I do indeed yeah do you ever kind of take it out on anniversaries and have a game reminisce no, to look I, after it or? we'd look after it I try and I try and look after most of my games in fact Mr. Mr. Andrew Lewis of our podcast has destroyed more of my games than I have. So, oh, okay. Have you not heard this tale? No, I think um, um, I think it's always good to share and get rid of your um, negative part, your <laughs> negative emotions, and breathe. Tell Mr. Us. Lewis has poured an entire pint of beer over my copy of Game of Thrones. I can't even. Well, it was, to be fair, it was an accident. He was highly apologetic. Um, it should also be pointed out this wasn't the first time a drink got poured on this copy of Game of Thrones because my uh, so my wife's stepsister also poured half a bottle of WKD over the same board. Oh my goodness! Um, and for some, and this is where it gets really weird. The first it was the, one of the first issues of the it's the second edition of Game of Thrones, but it was like the first print run, hmm. and they cut the boards wrong. <laughs> 
So the oh, board right. didn't sit flat. It kind of just kind of wanted to keep peeking up. Yeah. And so I'd actually sent off a replacement. So here's Andy getting really stressed because he thinks he's ruined my game of game, copy of Game of Thrones. It's like, oh, so I've got a backup for Oh Andy. How long? But how long did you string him along for? Are you still stringing him? Oh no, along? I'm, I'm a terrible. Know? I'm a terrible liar. I'm a really, really bad liar. I cannot do it. So it's, I can try to string him along, but I've got this smug grin on my face as uh, I'm doing it. So it just didn't work. It's <laughs> why I'm rubbish at bluffing games. <laughs> I'm absolutely terrible at them. What's the, what's the one I can't stand? I'm so bad at it. Coup. Have you played Coup? Yes. I get I get ousted in queue in seconds. You know, I'm going to use this ability to get two gold. You haven't got that card, Steve. Oh, shit. <laughs> of course, in Scotland, the queue is something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> Have you played coup? Okay, what, yeah. you, what are you saying? Where did you come from? <laughs> I'm not a proper fifer. Um, anyway... <laughs> But you mentioned John, and you've mentioned Andy. So how long have you? How long have you been hanging around with those two um, extremely talented oh. and good-looking other <laughs> members of the podcast? Blimey, that's a good question because John has been friends with my wife since they were both eighteen because they oh, both right. did the in industry together. Now this is the weird thing: me, me, John, Andy, and my wife actually all worked from the same company at one point. That's all we all, how we all know each other. We're like a big group of friends all working for this massive Ministry of Defence research company. Was it like uh, some kind of 1980s kind of sitcom precursor to Friends? <laughs> We'd all just turn up and smile at each other. No, no, it wasn't like no. that. <laughs> Nothing like that at all. Industry. <laughs> no, the, the, first time I met, the first time I properly met Andy Lewis, actually, I was in a pub, in a pub with somebody else. Andy turns up, and everyone else I'm with just immediately starts taking the piss out of him. It's like, oh, oh right, no. okay, this is the guy we took the mick out of then, is it? Oh, no, poor Andy. <laughs> he is gives that... it as much as he takes it, it's fine. <laughs> is that why he grew his beard? Um, it could be. Ironically, it's the, it's the evening where we started calling him Captain Haddock. <laughs> Which he didn't have the Captain Haddock beard then, which doesn't really quite make sense. But oh my goodness! So I've probably known I've probably known John about I'm just trying to think now. I've probably known John about fifteen years, and I've probably known Andy about ten years. That's a long time. You know, you could have yeah. been out for murder and like. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm not judging yeah. or anything like that. You know, I'm just informing um, your honour um, as it would be. So. Okay, so you're all hanging about and playing games. And we'll jump on to what you're playing in a minute. But where do you get from hanging around and playing games to actually you... I take it it was the... the <clears throat> I take it Polyhedron Collider was your brainchild then. I take it yeah. it was you that kind of made the steps and went, actually... Yeah, so I started it off as a as the blog, as the written website. Hmm. Um, and that really came about a bit weird, actually, because at the time... I'd actually left the company I was working with with these chaps and I was getting really into board games and I was struggling to find stuff. Now, what I didn't realise is this is at the point when kind of the Dice Tower and all the video reviews was kind of picking up. Mm. But I used to look at stuff about board games during my lunch break and my company blocked YouTube and all video <laughs> websites. So I'm looking for all this stuff about board games and at the same time, 
I've always been big into video games as well. Yeah. So I was looking at video game stuff like Eurogamer and Rock Paper Shotgun, oh. that kind of thing, and I was getting really frustrated. There was nothing like this for board games. <laughs> and just what I didn't realise is because I couldn't see YouTube, is yeah. the entire industry had gone. Well, written media is not the way to go. We need to go over to video. Yeah. Um, and I said it to somebody that there doesn't seem to be this, you know, a ri- any really good written review websites. A couple. Hanging around, but nothing really good. Yeah, but I was hearing, as a quick aside, I was hearing um, a podcast today, um, Laps Gamer Radio, and they had a guest, John Denton, who used to write for video games. Mm. And he said there was a funny period where there was um, all of a sudden, it kind of from nowhere, everybody that was print a lot of these websites kind of appearing, like your Eurogamers and your IGNs and everything like that from nowhere. So maybe the guys at this... I thought about this as I was kind of on my way to work, and I thought, well, maybe the reason we didn't see as many written stuff was because there wasn't much point at the time, because traditionally you would have gone ahead and started like a tabletop gaming magazine, and there simply wasn't the readership for that. And at the same time, you got the start of the kind of the real start of the kind of the YouTube people Mm. kind of really starting to turn up. And then I guess board gaming wasn't... I couldn't have seen a board gaming website as being a big, huge thing. No, I wouldn't have thought. No, I don't think it would have been successful, really. Onto this kind of scale that, you know, IGNs and your your gamers and that kind of thing. And I I never thought it would, to be fair. Um, But somebody said to me something along the lines of, well, why don't you try doing it? I went, don't be daft. <laughs> That'll be daft. And then somebody else said a completely other random conversation I was having, where somebody yeah. said um, it was a whole thing about you never learn if you don't try. Oh yeah. So that the, the wheels had started turning in my head about what about this like kind of written board game website, and somebody kept on saying, I think it was there was talking about the guy who wrote Dilbert. Is it Scott Adams? I think so. Yeah, about he'd said something along these lines that he'd learnt more. Of, he'd done something before Dilbert and had failed miserably, and he'd learnt more, learnt more from the failure than from the success, kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I thought, well, let's do it completely low risk. Let's just go get Blogger, yeah, to host it. So it's free hosting. Uh, let's, you know, I'm not going to exactly pay someone to do all kind of WordPress themes or anything like that for me. So why don't I just go for it and. I think the thing was as well, I got so back into board games that I kind of felt like I was going to explode of all this kind of excitement. It was like getting, it was like being, like being a little kid. And all the things I really enjoyed about board games and miniature games and RPGs and that when I was like a teenager was still bubbling in my head again. It was like, I need to release this somehow. So I think I'm going to start writing about it. <laughs> We're back so, in the trouser legs again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's it. I just started the, to the website. But where did the name come from, though? Uh, well, that was... I remember brainstorming, and I had a notepad, and there must have been about 30 names on that notepad. And it had things like... Most of them were puns, you know, like, of dice and men, or... Dice to see you. Yeah, or uh, board... The board came up a few times as being bored, and I just bored. kept thinking, you can't say, you know, uh, board of games or something like that, or... And yeah. there's a few of them I just thought was out. And right in the middle of them was just Polyhedron Collider, and I don't know why. I don't know how I came up with it. I just brainstormed it out one day and then thought, that's, yeah, that 
shone on the page. That was brilliant. The thing is, the couple that you've mentioned, I'm pretty sure there's podcasts on iTunes. Both, really <laughs> I think every single one I wrote down now exists as a podcast exactly. or a blog. It's somewhere. like yeah. it's like walking down hairdresser street. The kid of the board game <laughs> names kind of, you know, I mean, cut above the rest. You know, scissors. If you're in Scotland, there'll be scissors too. Uh, you know, well, you, you get for chippies as well, don't you? Like Adam's uh. Place. <laughs> And Cod's kitchen, <laughs> and you know, as, as the Cod like, father. <laughs> it's just every. I was looking at you know, it's all the one. It's the weird ones. Then you just get, get kind of like strange side ones, and then you go, "Oh, I know what you mean by that <laughs> kind of thing." And then you just get ones called like, uh, "Is the one that's just called the board game podcast?" They're probably, I don't know. There, there, must be there probably somewhere. is. It's probably one of the first ones that kind of disappeared into the ether. It could be like one of the later ones that that no one ever thought, hang on, why don't we just go out the board game podcast? That's that's far too straightforward. It's like, um, what's um, there's, um, what's this, Dave Turner's show, the computer game show. Mm. And I was like, how the hell did he come up with, how the hell did he get that name? But it's probably (laughs) because nobody else has actually called themselves the computer game show. So so hats off to, to Dave Turner. He's he's a fan of the show. I'm sure he listens. I'm sure sure he doesn't listen at all. But um, <clears throat> so you're writing away. Mm-hmm. You're releasing all this pent up cardboard aggression. <laughs> yeah, excitement. Car- Let's call it excitement. <laughs> cardboard, cardboard pent up excitement. Um, and you're making stuff. And then when did you? When did you kind of give John the nod and when did you eventually give in to Andy keeping bugging you if he could get involved? Well, I'd, I'd wanted to do a podcast for a long time, actually. Yeah. Because um, podcasts are still the main way I get most of my board game information. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to work in a job where I was I used, to, I used to do uh, 3D CAD, and uh, mechanical engineering design. And so you spend a lot of time looking at things, and so having somebody talking at you really helps pass the time because you're not writing anything. So you don't have this whole thing of someone writing, talking to you while you're writing, and you just end up typing what you're hearing being spoken to you. Yeah. Uh, so I used to listen to a hell of a lot of podcasts, and I always kind of said I want to do this, but it was just me doing polyhedron Club at the time, and I didn't want to do a podcast of just me talking. I obviously didn't have the clever idea you did of invite other people on. That would be Far too obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that happened. As I say, it's like you know we joke about kind of co- the re- you know Colin is actually appearing the number of times Colin should appear. It's just that I happen to keep on sending emails to people, or people keep kind of emailing us and saying, "Oh, we've we'd like to come on," kind of thing. So that's how it happens. But it's a yeah. difficult thing to do. To get yeah. a podcast, and it's a difficult thing to do, to do a podcast if you listen to too many other podcasts. I think. Yeah, because it's it's tempting to copy everyone else. It's yes. like it's the same problem with um, board game review, review videos. If you look at most board game reviews, they're a carbon copy of Tom Vassell's board game review style. You know, 
Stand in front of a bunch of board games, give an intro. <laughs> give a description of how the game plays. Stand back in front of your wall board games and say whether you liked it or not. <laughs> it's, it's quite terrifying how many different review channels are just basically exactly the same thing. So You can so, imagine me doing that because you, I should... <laughs> oh, please do one. I have to do that. I just like... <laughs> just, just one. Yeah. I'll tell you. I tell you what. I promise, right? I will do a review of a game, and I'll start it off by basically with my collection of board games behind me. <laughs> uh, is it on some rickety shelf, or just stacked in any way they can? So at any moment, they're all going to fall no, on top of you. No, they're all they're all under the bed. So people, <laughs> please do it lying down. Lying on the floor. Going, <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> Today, we're <laughs> today we're going to review Cry Havoc, and it's just me getting neck strain and falling over and try, try, holding the instruction booklet up the wrong way, and just generally making an absolute, an absolute bum of it. So expect that, expect that in the next couple of weeks, just for a laugh, nothing too serious. But then, I mean, you get um, <clears throat> there are review guys. It's really weird because while they follow the same format, there's some like review guys that I. I like them doing it. Yeah. Um, I've kind of Michael May stuff on two can play that game. I'd have Mike for a cup round for a cup of coffee. He's a really really lovely guy, and it's very kind of it's gentle and it's friendly and explains the game and he gives his opinion over. But you could say, well, I don't really like it. But he never gives it. It's like never an offensive kind of in your face kind of thing. Obviously, um, Rado, I mm. liked Rado's style. I like Rado's kind of. He's a bit thrown together. <laughs> a bit thrown together. He's a bit kind of doing this. He's a bit kind of doing that. Kind of all the thing. Um, podcasts are different. Yeah, as you say, if podcasts are different. If you listen to, it, you could probably find our style in a couple other podcasts, and it might kind of like put you off from starting. But who? Yeah. Did you approach John and Andy and say how did yeah, how did that kind of come? So, um, John has already been into games for quite some time, and Andy. I knew Andy had previously been into games because I knew he previously liked his old uh, Games Workshop stuff and Warhammer and that. And I kept trying to get into Andy into board games, kept trying to introduce him to him, and he was resisting for some reason. Until he got himself a girlfriend who introduced him to board games, and all of a sudden uh. he he had the same moment I did, that... Ah! <laughs> and uh, he has now spent all of his salary on Kickstarter. Um, so he was just getting back into this, and... We started playing some games with him, and I said I'd really love to because they both knew I was doing Polyhedron Collider on the website. Yeah, and so I said to him, I really want to do a podcast. And I think what we could do it slightly different. It could be quite interesting. And I, I don't think Andy mentioned it when he when he came on, but Andy used to do video game reviews. No, I don't think he did. Remit. No, he didn't. No. He was quite shy about that. There's um, yeah. if you look for Sonic H reviews, which is his Twitter handle as well. Yeah, on YouTube, he's re- he's done a whole load of video game reviews. Has he now? In his very unique style. <laughs> What's he going? This is crap. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's more eloquent than that. But he? he's not afraid to call out something for being crap. And so I said, well, since Andy's already had a bit of experience in that, I, I've got the kind of knowledge of doing this. I think I've been doing the website for about four years by that point. Hmm. I said, why don't we give it a go and see what happens? Um, 
so that's what we did. We, we grabbed Andy's microphone that he'd been using for recording the YouTube stuff. Mm-hmm. We we actually played a game of Pandemic Legacy, I think. Oh my god, we did, and we still haven't finished that bloody thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the first game of Pandemic Legacy I think we played oh, together. Um, we had a few beers each because I think we we're a bit nervous, so we had a few beers to begin with. Stuck this microphone in the middle of the table, and that's where Ramshackle comes from. Because the first thing I say is the <laughs> setup's a bit Ramshackle. Ah, and, right. And that's where it, it kind of stuck. Then this hashtag Ramshackle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Let's just see. I've actually found his um, YouTube channel. Um. And it's looking amazing. He hasn't done one for a long time. He hasn't done one for a long, long time. So the, the games are quite old, but a lot of them are worth a watch. I will have to. Um, we'll put the we'll put the link into the into the into the kind of the show notes. Mm. Um, did you have a script? Did you have a style? How many times did you record before you released the first one? Or did oh, you just throw I, it out there? Oh, well, I just, do you know what? I, I, one of my favourite podcasts to listen to is The Secret Cabal. Mm. And they always say, the advice they said was, if you're going to do a gaming podcast, record two or three episodes before you record your first one. And we recorded one. I listened back to it and went, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> we did the same. I was just like, I, I just thought, okay, the audio quality wasn't amazing. No. A little bit of editing was needed just to rough, you know, take off the rough edges. But I, I was always of the view of get something out there to begin with, and you know, get get it going. And okay, the the amount of listens we've had on that first episode are nowhere near as what we're getting now. But it <laughs> felt like, you know, we we got we got the gist of it, and it was helped us find kind of where we sit anyway, what we want to do. See ours, ours. We did the same. We just kind of like recorded it. Had no idea how Audacity worked. Had no idea how to normalise sound. Had no idea how to remove background noise. Had no idea how to use a microphone properly. So our first episode is absolute. It's content-wise, I'm quite proud of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but quality-wise, it's absolutely abysmal that I've gone back and tried to fix it on several occasions, but can't fix it. So that's the kind of thing. Um, d- so we just d- there's a the thing about audio. I find the more you tinker with it, the worse oh, it I gets. Just... <laughs> it really does. Because I, I used to do a lot of um, audio stuff on the computer about ten years ago, which is mm. where I've got the the kind of knowledge for trying to make it sound better. And I say trying because the amount of times you do some tinkering, you go, "Oh, that sounds amazing," and then you just say, "Well, what did it sound like before I tinkered with it?" And you click on do a few times, just like an A B thing. It's like, oh, it sounded a lot better before I started hitting around with it didn't it <laughs> no. the number of times I've kind of like and let's just listen to that back and uh, no I've definitely made it sound a hundred million times kind of worse than what it was when it kind of started um, have you had have you had audio disasters we've had a couple um, we had one where I hadn't only recently brought, bought a new microphone, huh. uh, which is the one I'm still using now, and I had it on the wrong setting because it's um, it's a multiple selecting setting, so you can change the the pattern, the reception pattern of the microphone. Was it like a blue? Yeah, it's the, yeti it's the, it's or something. It's the old like blue yeti, yeah. Yeah. 
And um, I had it on one direction or rather all the way round and had it in the middle of the table. And um, I sounded fantastic on it. Um, John sounded a little bit muffled. Yeah. And Andy sounded like a robot under a pillow. Which is the best way for Mr. Willis, uh, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one was on the, this. Uh, we can take the piss out of Mr. Lewis here. Oh, um, we got three quarters of the way, I think, through. No, it wasn't even three quarters of the way through. I think we'd actually finished recording. And we get to that point, we all wrap it up, say, right, okay, we have a bit of a wind-down chat. We've stopped recording, we start saving the file and getting ready to put it onto Dropbox. And Andy just goes, shit. (laughs) What? (laughs) I didn't press record. Oh, dear. Oh, Oh, Lewis. I can't do your bollocks right now, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Are you kidding me? Or we just got to go and record an entire thing? Did you not... Was that not something that subsequently came up in the the, the episode afterwards? Yeah, it does, yeah. (laughs) Which you just got a ribbing forever and a day. (laughs) Because you must have just recorded the entire thing. I think that happened to me and Colin when we did the Catacombs um, episode where I think we had not set the microphone so we'd set it to record through the PC instead of setting it to record through the microphone and what happened was that it just peaked all the way through and we kind of recorded the episode and went well that was a pretty good one for like our fourth or fifth one (laughs) and then we started to play it back just to say oh the levels look really good and high (laughs) so we started playing it back and it was just like (laughs) all the way through it was absolutely kind of horrific but I mean, it the pod. To the best of them. <laughs> well, well, I mean, even I said mentioned the secret cabal. Even they made an announcement two weeks ago. They completely lost an episode like the other week. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> they said they tried everything they could to retrieve this episode from their hard drive. It was just like, no, it's gone. No, no. So and they, their episodes are like four hours long. So <laughs> I um, lost some of the audio on my side from the episode we did with Henry from Grubbling Games. And I had to re-record me talking on some of it. <laughs> you have done that one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's almost like you're kind of like, you're doing a dream and you've got an extreme sense of deja vu. And it's like, I've got to listen to the bit before and the bit after. And then I've got to try and time me talking and laugh at the same times. And remember when I laughed and remember when I said something that I shouldn't have said and then bring it back in again. It's an incredible amount of fun, especially if you've got between about four to six hours of free time and you don't have anything else planned that day. It's a fantastic <laughs> way to waste some kind of time. But the podcast has gone from strength to strength and you've found this lovely flow. For I mean, okay, maybe take a step back. I mean, for people that ha- haven't listened to the show and you're st- you're daft if you haven't, because it's better than this by a long shot. Um, just this episode. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, no, for people that haven't listened to Polyhedron Collider before, how would you describe it? I mean, you've mentioned words like ramshackled and stuff like that. <laughs> but, well, I, I think actually one of my friends described it better. So this is, this, this is a friend who doesn't play board games but listens to our podcast. And he said it's just like three blokes having a chat down the pub hmm. about board games. And 
I think he listened to like he's been listening to day one. This friend who said this, and it was like episode three or four. No, actually, it was after the second episode he told us this, and I kind of went, "Yeah, that's what we want just a hmm. just a chat." I don't, I didn't want it to be too structured. I didn't want it to be like you know, here's the intro music for the review section, or here's our featured review of the week. I just wanted it to flow. Yeah. You know, like a conversation. It's with a little bit of structure in, so we'll talk about some odd, you know, just a very vague bullet point outline we do. Um, but I didn't want it to be forced. I think some other podcasts feel like because they've got to stick to the structure of what they do the same every week, um, that it can feel sometimes like it's a bit shoehorned in and they've done a section just for the sake of doing a section. We are blissfully free from those shackles <laughs> of organisation, but you yeah. get, you know, but you do like reviews as well. I mean, yeah. We, so what yeah. we decided to do was just we pick, say, a game each, really. Hmm. And it's one of the things that me and Andy have always said we'll talk about a game we've written a review of as well. Mm-hmm. And I've actually found it's better if I do the talk on the podcast before I write the review if I can. Yeah. Because they're something more honest about doing it and talking about it. Yeah, you know, when you write it, you can you can fall into this trap, and I will admit it, fallen into it a bit before, where you're a bit too positive. You can feel as if you don't want to be offensive. Yeah, no. And I'm, it, 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 it's quite easy to fall into. But when you're having a conversation, you know, on, on a, you know, you write something down. You said, "Oh, yeah, it's quite good." Well, quite good can be taken. Oh, it's quite good. Oh yeah, it's quite good. But yeah. when you're actually recording, your voice goes, "Yeah, it's quite good." Yeah, it's the inflection, isn't it? Because the yeah. difference between the sarcasm and stuff like that. And I guess it's kind of strange because even though this podcast will exist in some way, shape, or form once it's recorded and once it's out there, it might exist for a long, long time. People have a funny thing about, as you said, like viewing words kind of here and now. So they can mm. read an entire review, and you're right. Some, you know, you don't want to. Do you know what it is? It's like somebody will pick up like a couple of points from a review and say, "Oh, look, this guy. He thinks that um, Scythe is the worst game that's ever existed on the planet. Let's burn them, kind of thing." Whereas if you mention a podcast, you say, "Well, you know what? Um, it was good, but I prefer Viticulture, kind of thing." People yeah. will just say, "Well, that's kind of his kind of opinion." I think there's a lot more stuff invested in the kind of the written word, which is mm. a bit, which is kind of like a bit strange. So, you, so you do, yeah, as you say, you were doing the reviews. Um, do you then? Do you actually write? Do you almost transcribe your thoughts then from the podcast back to the website afterwards? Then is that how you kind of structure it? Sometimes no, it's it's just more just cementing my opinion. Really, mm. it's just. As I said, it's easier to to vocalise what your feelings are mm. on the podcast. So when you come down to writing it, you've made your decision a bit more because you've convinced you know you convinced two other people what your opinion is of that game. Yeah, um, and Andy is quite good at if there's even a hint of you didn't like it in your voice, Andy then comes down on you. Well, you hated it. Yes. Um, um, yeah, you might be right, Andy. Yeah, I don't. I didn't like that. You know. <laughs> Whereas in the past, I would have been a bit too, yeah, you know, it's it's all right if you like this kind of thing. I think it's, um, I think it's still f- the hobby's still finding its feet in an expression type of thing, and it's too easy to have a room full of sevens. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. 
it's too I, easy, yeah, it's too easy to say I really really like that, but I don't want to gush about it, so I'll give it an eight. Or I kind of not really fussed about that, but I don't want to really kind of jump all over its pretty face. And some people might like it because as as with board games, your mileage may vary. So I'm going to give it a seven, and that you know. It's it's quite interesting because compared to say video games, a video game can be intrinsically bad. Yes. You know the controls don't work or it's buggy or something like that. But you're right. There's there's things about board games where what I think is amazing, you might think is terrible. You know, I posted a review up today of Mansions of Madness, and I loved Mansions of Madness. I highlighted some faults with it, but generally on the whole, as a positive. And the first comment back was, "My opinion is complete opposite to yours. I think it's the worst game ever made." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I posted up, and I've said this quite recently. I posted up um, a simple one-line comment on the the board game spotlight group, which was to say, "I thought that terraforming Mars didn't live up to the hype." I saw that, blimey. <laughs> I thought you'd uh, questioned people's ancestry by the way they replied to that. I, you know, I'm quite willing to enter into some kind of um, di- discussion about anybody and their opinions, but I'm going to defend the right for people to say that their their opinions are their opinions. You know, mm. I believe that there's a formation of opinions um, that can be gained through experience. So if somebody says to me, oh, terraforming Mars looks crap, I'm not going to play it, then I'm going to say, well, that's a bit st- off, you know, you should maybe experience it. Or if they say, well, I played a, you know, I played terraforming Mars for five minutes and I don't like it, okay, that's fair enough, maybe you should play it more. But um, it was interesting to see people telling me I was wrong. <laughs> yes. Which is always an interesting thing. Um, it was quite it's mirroring that exactly. Actually, Andy posted a review of um, Betrayal at a House on the Hill. Yes, and because he's he's a brave man, is our, our lad Andy. He decides to post it on one of the I think it was the board game group, which is like the big, yeah, the biggest one. And the amount of replies that just quite simply said you are wrong or just wrong or a gif that said that no discussion well you you know i think you might be wrong it was just quite literally stating you are wrong it's like, well there was another one which is here's your here's your attention that you're seeking and it's like i'm <laughs> yeah. not i got that one it's like yeah you must know me quite well but, you know but then the admin came in and says, well, listen, he's just expressing kind of like an opinion for point for discussion. And you had to explain to this person that actually making a point like that and then counteracting it with the reasons that I thought it was either it appealed to me or it didn't appeal to me was entering into an actual discussion. At the end of it, my opinion didn't really, really change. The best one what I did... <laughs> And this is going to haunt me, and somebody's going to actually come round my house and kill me. Was when I uh, posted that video of what happens when you open up the small box in Mechs versus Minions. <laughs> I can't believe people took events to that. I was ah, oh, some people really do need to get, get a sense of humour, don't they? I think what they need to do is they get need to get their case catalogue out and <laughs> go and find the sense of humour replacement. <laughs> For those who didn't see it, I can't. I, I can't. I don't think I can post no, it. No, no, you'll, you'll spoil the surprise if you. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> it was just. I said, "Oh, I finally opened the box in Mechs versus Minions, and I posted a little video of what was in it." And people were like, "You've ruined it!" <laughs> that was like, 
And there was a guy that insisted I complete. He got he got to the point where he took a photograph of an interview with the creator. The creator saying, "Well, we hope people don't spoil the game for it, but just in case." And I had to categorically even put a message and say, "I didn't spoil the game. It is a joke." It was just fantastic. It was just fantastic. With you, um, going back on topic, this is like Michael Parkinson, with you going back on topic and me talking to you, um, have you found that um, with you doing the reviews, you open yourself up to people, everybody kind of sending you review copies of games? <laughs> yeah. Do you get a lot, do you get a lot do you get a lot of people contacting you saying, will you review this, will you review that, will yeah, you review the next Yeah, we do. Thing? And um, it's something actually, it eased off a little bit because Andy came on board and started writing reviews as well. So mm-hmm. about the same time we started the podcast, Andy started writing reviews. Yeah. So I thought, all right, that's okay. There's two of us doing now. At least it, it, we can, I can handle it a bit better. But we've actually both gone the other way. I've just had to go, right, we have to stop taking on games because we were, Especially at the beginning, yeah. You know, the fact that anyone was willing to send us a game to review was like, oh wow, this is amazing. And now we're trying to trying to manage it a bit more because the other thing we've got to consider not only is our time because yeah. it takes it takes a long time to learn the rules to a game, play it enough times that you're confident you know how the game's supposed to work, mm-hmm. and then you know schedule it into a podcast or write review, take photographs, all that kind of thing. Yeah. So does does it, it's definite time investment and there's a definite kind of I can't do like six reviews in a week without quitting my day job no um, we also found that if we do a big review of like a big game then that's going to get more traffic so we've always said that we really need to balance the two because you want the big traffic to come in to make your name bigger which then should hopefully point people towards the smaller games that we're reviewing as well. Yeah. So getting that balance at the moment we're actually finding quite difficult. I'll it's be honest tr- there. No, it's tricky. I mean, we're kind of getting into the same boat because um, you know, me and Colin chat about this and the difficulty is is that it's kind of strange. It's like I had um I had like Mark um Neidlinger from um Orange Nebula to do talk about Epoch mm. and Epoch kind of Epoch was one of these stories where he put it on Kickstarter once and he cancelled it within about th- two three weeks because it just simply wasn't going to make the goal it didn't look like it he rejigged everything came back three weeks later and then I spoke to him the first or the second day of the campaign and he had funded he'd put up 25k $25,000 as a target and then he f- it funded. It went on to do ten times that. It went on to do something like two hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. So it was one of these success stories. Yeah. But then on the other side of it, uh, you know, and I know I joke about this as like named, you know, Molly Sugden's bridesmaids and everything like that. <laughs> but I I find it a lot easier. It's easier now for me to approach somebody like say Dave Carl from Steamforge and say, would you like to come on the show? Because I can say, well, listen, we have had this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And it's also easy for me to go back to John Gilmore and say, hey, John, it's been a year since you've been on. Would you like to come back on? And he says, yes, because it's, you know, it's good fun. And he knows he knows kind of me and I know kind of him. But at the same time, you end up in a situation where I'm potentially 
putting off the smaller guys which mm. maybe need that little kind of chat or do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, exactly what you mean. And I made a decision a while ago that when... Because the other thing is, is um, I think my mail, my name got into a, put into a, like a mailing list. Um, so there's a lot of companies that have been contacting me. And I think some, I, I think I know where it came from. Mm-hmm. But I generally started to go like people would say, ask me for to do a review, and they'd obviously done no bloody research whatsoever. Yeah. And you'd say, oh, that's kind of interesting, that game. Yeah, I'll take a review on. You give them the address, and they go, oh, you're based in England. It's like, well, yeah. Did you, not <laughs> spot, did you not spot the proliferous use of the letter U within my spelling? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, we, we haven't got enough money to send it to the uh. UK. Well, why did you bloody contact me in the first place? And I did make a decision at some point that if if I was running out of time and a UK company and a US Kickstarter, you know, both wants to review at the same time, it would be, well, I'm in the UK. Yeah. I need to support UK companies. Um, so I would t- I would always say to the American ones, look, you've got thousands of bloody reviewers on your doorstep. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need me. And so I always kind of went for the UK and the, and the European ones as well because I found a lot of... um got a lot of contacts from companies in Poland and Spain because they wanted an English language review. They could get one in Spanish or get one in Polish, but they wanted that English language review. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of said with that as well, well, you're closer to home than the Americans are. And again, you obviously haven't got as much chance. So, yeah, come on board. Let's see what you've got kind of thing. But I'm being more selective at the moment. I'm I'm going on like a first... If I don't like the look of a game to begin with at the moment, some of them are just like, no, I'm sorry, I can't. Mm. You know, it's... Have there any games that you've turned down for review that have gone on to be the kind of the next big darling of the the board game world nothing really major i think i've been quite lucky that i've not turned anything major down Mm. i did do one game which i didn't actually do write a review for because it was a i did a print and play Mm -hmm. and it turned into this big darling of the entire board game industry and i played this print and play version and went this game's rubbish what earth is everyone on about (laughs) and it's kind of in hindsight i wish i had written a review yeah but at the time i just kind of thought well no it's just it's going to seem a bit weird that especially as they didn't end up sending me a copy so i printed it all out myself and i think i said yeah in hindsight it's a wonderful thing but I, uh, that was about the only one, but that was weird. How the reviewers were all, it was the darling of the reviewers' world. I think the game came out and it's just disappeared. It's, <laughs> um, oh god, what was it called? Oh, it was it was a British-made one again, and it was a it was a bit like Top Trumps. All right, okay. Oh god, I can't I can't for the life of me remember what it was called now. And it was advertised as this big thing that you didn't need a table to play it on. You, you just just play it in your hand because you only ever looked at the top card of your deck. All right, okay. So it wasn't Heroes review... and Tricks. Uh, no, it wasn't that. All right, okay. Well, no. That's okay. We can we can just you know we can put it to one. We can put it to yeah. one side. And somebody's going to know what it is, and I absolutely hated it, and I couldn't work out why everyone else was gushing over this game. <laughs> <laughs> there are people currently screaming at the podcast in their cars. We're going to get tweeted about this. <laughs> Yes. And all we're going to do is we're going to get added, and it's going to be it's hackers, you f- <laughs> bloody idiot! 
It'll be John. That, that, that'll be my comeuppance, wouldn't it? That'll be like, karma come back this to is the, karma. In the backside. This is going to be, it's going to be, no, it's called It's Only a Ride. Come on. You <laughs> talked about it on 15 of your 35 episodes. Come on, Steve, what are you doing? Is there anything you're looking for? I mean, is there anything you're playing just now that you you've um, that you've kind of went, "Ooh, this is quite nice and tasty." I I've got to admit, I flip through board games quite a bit because of the reviewing <clears throat> and because I have to find sometimes I'm spending far too much time playing games I need to review. Yeah, than I am playing games I want to play. So it almost feels like a special occasion it's, at the moment yeah. playing a game I want to play, which is it's 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 a bit weird in that respect. Um, I'm playing quite a lot of Dungeons and Dragons at the moment, which is quite nice. What What are you playing as? I'm the DM. So are I'm, you? Yeah, I've. I would say of my lifetime playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, about ninety nine percent of that time has been spent DMing. Really. Uh, I've played other role playing games. I've played as characters, but D and D for some reason I'm always the DM. I was I, pl- I was playing last night. I was playing the Mines of Philandia or whatever. Okay. And we stormed the castle. Yeah. We went into the room. And there was an owl bear. And I rolled a 19 on animal husbandry. <laughs> and I'm now trotting about. I'm an orc. Yeah. I'm trotting about with a wolf. <laughs> and an owl bear. Called Gladys. <laughs> Gladys, Gladys, Gladys the owl bear. Gladys the owl bear, come here, little <laughs> darling. This is what happened because he walked in. Anyway, so there's a big, huge. There's an owl bear there. There's no. What happened was, there's an owl bear. You definitely think there's an owl bear on the other side of the door. And I'm playing an orc, and I'm just like that. Whoa, an owl bear. I've not seen an owl bear, so I smash open the door to go and see this owl bear, and I'm like, no, look at his little face. <laughs> And I goes, I'm going to roll. He says, what are you going to do? He says, I'm not going to attack it because I don't attack animals because I'm a friendly orc. So I roll for animal husbandry. I roll a, nine, I roll a 19 plus advantage. This is what you do. Well, I reach up and scratch his ears. Then I reach up and scratch his other ears. And then I slowly put it on the ground. And then I start rubbing, rubbing its belly. And then he says, is it male or female? And he's like, well, it's female. I says, well, okay, that's fine. Then I'm, you know, and then I'm going to call it Gladys. So then obviously... <laughs> We get into the the finale of the castle kind of thing. There's a couple of big, tough bad guys. And I just walk in with my owl bear behind me. <laughs> Decimating everything to the point where... And this is... And um, a couple of folk will proudly tell us, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll back up my story. But there was, like, one guy left. I don't know what he was. He was, like, a... <clears throat> He was a bear as well or something like that. I don't know, I can't... Some bear or something like that. And I said to him, I said, well, well, he's left. He says, would you fight? I says, well, I'm not going to fight. I'm going to use intimidation. <laughs> I rolled a 19 <laughs> on my intimidation. So I'm strutting up to him. I says, all right, mate. And he's like, oh, what is it? Oh. I says, see me. He says, there's, there's two ways this is going to happen. <laughs> okay. And the first way is, you take all the... He says, you got a family. And he went, yeah, I've got three says, you take all the gold from the people here that you've killed. You disappear off and see your family. He says, oh, the other way it's going to happen is I've got I've got an owl bear standing <laughs> behind me. <laughs> How do you think this is going to end? It was just a beautiful moment where he could have fought all the way through and it could have been carnage and it ended up him walking out the castle with this huge owl bear that's taken up four spaces at once. 
<laughs> going back down to the village. He says, where are you going to go? I said, we're just going to go to the barn and hang out there. So... It's things like that that that's, make me... That's what makes D&D, isn't it? It is. It really is. It is. Because <laughs> I've been quite stupid all the way through. Because somebody says, oh, we're not going to... He says, well, what do you think to do? Well, why don't you just walk in the front door? So that's what I do. You <laughs> <laughs> just don't say, oh, just, okay, I'll just go and walk in the front Yeah, but that's it. If you haven't played D&D, I think it's one of these games that you should definitely try. I've got to admit, if you have not played it, that whole description just makes you sound like a madman. <laughs> Oh, it was that's so the, much That's the fun. thing, is it? It's like the game I'm playing at the moment, one of the players decided to buy a bottle of perfume. And it's like, well, why are you going to buy a bottle of perfume? He's going, well, I've got like 20 gold pieces burning the hole in the pocket, and I've just looked for the item <laughs> list. There's a bottle of perfume. And then he spent basically the entire dungeon trying to convince the other players it was worth him taking this <laughs> perfume along. Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's good fun. But I mean, is it okay on the on the other side of it? Going forward, is there anything that you, if you get, see, you get the the phone call from the company and they're saying, "I'm going to get you an advanced review copy of this game." Is there a game that you're really looking forward to getting the the Tudor Ooh. clause in? There's a, there's a few actually at the moment. I mean, you've asked me this at the right time because I think if you'd asked me this about few, three or four weeks ago. I've been struggling, but Gen Con just happened, so all these exciting yeah, exactly. new games get announced. <laughs> exactly. I've got to admit, I'm rather interested by the one, the um, Legends of the Five Rings board game that FFG had just announced. Yeah. That's really got my interest because, although, although it looks at first glance like it's a complete carbon copy of Rising Sun, mm. which is quite terrifying how similar it looks. If you compare the two images, the stock images of the two like prototype boards, it looks like exactly the same game, just one's got miniatures and one hasn't. Um, but they've kind of suggested it's based on Game of Thrones, which is one of my favourite board games, and can play less players, so I don't need to find five other people, and takes less time. So if it is just a case of Game of Thrones, or a Japanese reskin that can play three players in two hours, yeah, oh, I'll be all over that. Because times, uh, well, yeah, I mean, times of the, times is always an important factor. Yeah, and you know. getting trying to get five other people together to play a full game of Game of Thrones can be a bit of a pain. It's just that it is, it's that old joke, it is going back to the Dungeons and Dragons thing where it's like, you have my sword, you have my axe, <laughs> you have my shield. Um, I can't do Thursdays, sorry. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Uh, which I'm pretty sure you've referenced on your own podcast at some yeah. point in very quite <laughs> recently. That's probably how I stole it. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to get caught for everything. Um, oh, that's all right. Anything else you're looking forward to as well? Oh, there's a few things. Um, I'm back to the second edition of Gloomhaven. So I'm quite interested mm. in that one. Um, my worry is with that, though, I've moved house recently and I haven't got a really regular gaming group, so uh, that might sit on the shelf for a few months unplayed until I can convince some people to play it with me. Yeah, Colin's um, getting that one. Um, I'm not convinced I'm going to sit down for six weeks and play a campaign, <laughs> to be perfectly that's honest. That's the thing, the, the campaign really interests me. I, I, was, I always say I'm fascinated by campaign games and then never really finish them off. No. Same with Descent, you know, I was speaking to when yeah. Andy, Andy was on, it was like, my pile of shame consists of uh, Imperial Assault, which has never been played, um, because I played Descent, and then I thought, mm, do I play, in, so it's sitting there, 
I might even I might even give it away. Weirdly, I own Imperial Assault. I've played the entire campaign of Imperial Assault, but it was with someone else's copy. <laughs> so so technically, <laughs> I've played the entirety of Imperial Assault, oh my goodness. but my copy has is completely untouched. Because about four people I know bought it at the same time. That's ridiculous. I think I got it. Do you know what? It's the old thing. It was like, I think it was my... Do you know what it was? This is how bad it is. It was my 40th. And my mum gave me some money for my birthday. <laughs> 40th and yeah. got money. Okay. Yeah, my mum says, here you go, son. There you go, son. What are you going to get? I'm going to buy a Star Wars game, mummy. <laughs> I'm going to buy a Star Wars game, Mummy, and I'm not going to play it. <laughs> not for a long time. So, um, but there's, do you know what the scary thing is? Is that every there seems to be a new exciting Kickstarter kind of coming out every week. So I'm looking at um, James Hudson. Um, yeah. His doing his next thing, which is Guardian's Call. Now, Grim Forest looked amazing. And I'm interested to see what he does next with his next project, which is going to be coming out at the beginning of October. Um, Charterstone. I think October's going to be... Yeah, oh, well, Charterstone, yes. I'm Again, it's another campaign-style game. I know. But yeah, I am very intrigued by Char- Charterstone because um, Andy has turned around my view of Stonemaier games. Really? I, wa- I wasn't a big fan of them at first because I, I'm not a fan of Euphoria. I'd like and to play it. I'd really, really like to play it. I, I think I need to play it again because my taste in games has changed. I would say that the kind of big, heavy Euro I wasn't interested in three years ago. Yeah, and it's I'm starting to my eyes are starting to open to that, and I'm actually starting to get a little less interested in the dice rolling Ameritrash, but not too much. Yeah, just well, a smidge. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> saying that I've currently got a copy of the the microphone. What game is the mic on? The mic's currently on a copy of The Others. Ooh. And a copy of Cry Havoc. Ooh. Yep. Because you might as well use some area control and a nice bit of um, Ameritrash kind of thrown in. Um, yeah, vi- well, no, I was playing Viticulture just at the weekend there because just like a responsible pairing, I believe that... I was playing it with my two kids um, and I believe that uh, we played it for about two and a half hours and... Uh, I kind of was doing that whole responsible parent introducing my kids to alcohol type thing by letting them play a game about making wine as opposed to drinking it, which I thought was a clever thing to do. Oh, that's very clever, yeah. It was, until they both tanned a bottle of white lightning and started to fight the neighbours down the road, but you know, that's another... (laughs) (laughs) That's a kind of another another story. But no, no, I... um, Yeah, it's kind of... I don't know, it's like one of these things is I've got a wheat intolerance, but if Jamie Stegmeyer made a board game where you had to eat biscuits halfway through, I would be thinking potentially how many I could get away with before I was seriously ill. <laughs> kind of thing. Because I've kind of... Sci- as I say, Viticulture's my jam. Scythe... Mm, I'm still not 100% convinced. It's very I've only good. actually played it properly once. I need to play it a few more times. I... It's it's like I like all the moving parts. Yes. I'm just not entirely sure they all make a big, nice machine at the end of it. It's like Rogue One. 
I like what they've done with all the separate bits to make it all shiny and new and all the separate little bits kind of work really, really well. But mm. when you kind of put it together, I kind of felt a little bit underwhelmed at the very, at the very, very end. Okay. With a scoring mechanism. <laughs> that was the only thing. I thought mm. the gameplay all the way through was fantastic and I really liked it. And then I got to the end and I went, oh, it's finished. And then I was like, oh, but I didn't naturally feel I had a chance to finish what I was doing. It was like, that's it. Pencils down, exams over, let's top up the stores and see what you could have won, kind of thing. So that was kind of my, my issue with um, with Scythe. Not to say that I'm obviously not, I'm obviously completely coveting the expansions and the expandable board and the coins and everything else. They're on my Amazon <laughs> wish list. I'll put it in the show notes, kind of thing. <laughs> But anything else you're kind of looking forward to yourself? Hmm. I'm just trying to think what what else is coming out. I mean, I'm intrigued by. I've always been a massive Fancy Flight Games fan, and you know they've just announced like twenty odd games. I'm Legion. Fascinated by it. yeah. Uh, mm, Star Wars Legion. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm ooh, I'm back and <laughs> forth on that one. Ooh, I really am. I'm not sure because oh, ooh, ooh, yeah. Plus side, hmm. Star Wars miniatures game. It's awesome. Yeah. Negative side, I already own about four miniatures games. I don't play now. Am I going to play Star Wars Legion? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's it's like it's like owning an extra bum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it was slightly perter, <laughs> but I'm not sure I'm going to wear it. Yeah. You know, because it, it means I need to get bigger trousers. Um. That's a rubbish analogy. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, question time. We have questions. I forgot Ooh. about them, so we better kind of ask questions. Questions have come flooding in. <laughs> I've got. Here we go. Let me see. Questions. 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 Do 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 do. Put the fellow music, will you, please, Steve? Thanks. Do 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 do. do. So, oh, I'm off key there. That's horrible. There we go. <laughs> I'm off key. I should have tuned. Nee 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 nee. Nah, nee 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 Um, Rory J Summers asks. He asks, which game did you use to break in your new fancy geek and son? table Ooh, i yes my new fancy geeking sun table which um has been in my house for about a week now i the game i broke in on it was actually takedo oh which is one of my wife's favorite games um my wife bizarrely loves board games but hates anything two-player she likes needs to have more opponents to kind of balance it out because she was if I play a game against her it's like as if as soon as I start winning she feels like it's like takes insult at it like as if I'm picking on her of course I'm picking on you you're the only other player here so at least Takaido is quite leisurely sounds like Um, um, sounds like an excellent kind of person to be married to (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't like the two player game no Um, Rory asks another question um, when Pixar makes a board game story, which board game will you audition to provide the voice for? Oh my god! 
That's one of those tricky ones, isn't it? That's a really tricky one. Hmm. Is there a Welsh board game that I could do that for? I've <laughs> no idea. Isle of Sky. That's a joke. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a lot of people who won't get that one. I know. No, I have no <laughs> idea because they don't know where the Isla Sky is. They'll have no idea. Okay, well, yeah, which board game would you audition to be the voice for? Mansions of Madness? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm naturally inclined to be a some kind of Arkham Horror-ish game because I love the Lovecraft. Not, um, not Settlers of Catan, then? No. <laughs> you can't spend the entire film going, this is overrated gibberish. <laughs> Yeah, definitely not that one. Okay. So, there we go. Something to do with uh, Arkham Asylum. Uh, why don't you like Catan? I mean, everybody likes Catan. How can you call yourself, say, you're part of the board game media? I just I just find it boring. Well, there you go. That's well, I mean, there's a, there's a few things I don't like about it. I don't like the um, scoring mechanism. Um, because you've got, that, you've got like half the points are hidden and half them aren't. So there's this thing where because you can buy the development cards, uh, I so you don't know. You, all of a sudden, somebody just goes, "I've won." It's like, oh, oh right, okay. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea you had half the points you had in your hand. I think the trading aspect of it, which is kind of core to the game, it has never worked in any single time I've played it, and I just I just find it a, bit, a little bit boring. It's not. It's not something intrinsically wrong with the mechanics. It's kind of of its age and I understand kind of where it's come from and largely what it's done for the board game industry in, in total. Yeah, but it's, it's like Monopoly. It's just, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. It just it it never did anything for me, and everyone kind of kind of pokes me for the rant because the main my main complaint against Catan is not so much the game itself, is because it brought like board games and more importantly German style board games to America a lot of people like hold it in this high regard that it's the game that brought these you know that introduced these games to the world and interesting you were saying like when you post a review and somebody tells you you're wrong yeah when you wrote down it's just I remember somebody telling me the reason I like board games is because of Catan on the internet forum Mm. on Facebook or something like that and I kind of went um Hero Quest, Space Crusade, Space Hulk, Blood yeah, Bowl, yeah. Battlefleet. <laughs> yeah, not Catan. Not Catan. Not Catan. <laughs> um, John Cage writes, when he says, when I said we're going to be joined by the best-looking member of Polyhedron Collider, John said, oh, I'm coming back on the show. Um, no, you're not. Mm. Uh, which was a shame. He did ask when it, <laughs> when we are getting together for a massive game of Talisman. Are you brave enough? I don't know. Can, can you handle it? I might bring along Labyrinth instead. I've heard that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last question. <clears throat> I don't know if we nicked us off you as well, so this could be embarrassing. Is the zombie apocalypse? Okay. Yeah. You are skirting about for survival. You're running up and down the streets while the mass of the undead are clawing at the very essence of your life. You run into a side alley where you break into a building that turns out to be a massive board game emporium. 
Inside the building, you have got every single board game ever made with any single expansions that you have. In the middle of the floor, there is a trolley that is highly highly manoeuvrable. Standing in the corner is John Cage and Andy Lewis. (laughs) Are they they zombified or are they still here? No, they are are fine. They are are bickering. um, John yes, is going. No to doubt they are bickering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just bickering for the sake of it. <laughs> yes. um, you can take any three board games with you. They have to be board games. At any board games, tabletop games, anything to do with okay. a hobby whatsoever. Three, three items with you. You can have any of the expansions. It doesn't. It doesn't matter the number of people that you're going to meet because you're always going to find people to play with. And the answer (laughs) to the question is, would you like to play a board game? Is always going to be yes. Unfortunately, the trolley has only enough handles for two people. (laughs) So, what games are you going to take, Steve? And, See, and who you did, who are you gonna leave? <laughs> gonna leave behind? Oh no! Um, I think someone did ask this of us on our podcast, and I'm probably gonna say three completely different games now, aren't I? So I'm gonna be horribly inconsistent. Yes. Um, Your first game, Mister Tudor. So if I can say any game, not any game, board game, any expansion got, yeah. could be tabletop, would, could be miniatures, could be a LARPing set, anything I you want. Would probably take Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, what edition? So, uh, fifth. Okay, I am um, really love fifth edition, and I've still got my old second edition AD and D rule books, and I had a quick flick through them and kind of went, "Oh my god, I'm not going back to this," <laughs> <laughs> because you, you know you have that kind of rose tinted view in your mind of what it was like. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing like that. <laughs> there's, there's about three hundred more tables that you'd forgotten about. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I would probably take D and D because I think even with just the three core rule books, you could have hours and hours and hours and hours of gameplay with that because really the only limits your imagination at that point. Okay. Um, next game. Next game. <clears throat> There's some uh, slight banging outside. Um, the zombies have been alerted to your presence at the front door. So I will probably take Arkham Horror with all the expansions. Okay. Arkham Horror still remains one of my favourite games, even though I know it's fiddly and clunky as hell. Okay. I absolutely love it. I, I will def- I will allow people to diss it, but I know that I love it. Let's take the third one. And now the third one. Mm, that's a difficult one. There's a shattering of the glass in one of the panes <laughs> in the corner of the door. Do you know what? I, a distinct moaning sound. I'd be te- even though I've never played it, I'd be tempted to take Twilight Imperium. Which edition? Because Ooh. we're assuming that the zombie apocalypse takes place in the near future. So, um, it, well, let's we'll say it's, it's the very near future, and so I can't get hold of the fourth edition. Third edition, is then. Th- yeah. So, yeah, fourth edition. Only because I would finally have enough chance to play it. You'd have enough time when you have to actually play the damn thing and learn the rules. So again, you've got the trolley. The trolley can only be pushed by two people at speed. Do you know what? I'm far too nice a person. I'm probably the kind of person that go, no, you guys go, I'll stay here and hold them back. 
I am. Oh my goodness! I probably would. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I couldn't actually do that. I mean, really? Yeah. You wouldn't consider just putting John Cage on the trolley, having him carry the games, and you and Andy wheel yourself <laughs> down the street then. <laughs> Well, as we said, if we, if we John's quite short anyway, so yeah, you're right. We could probably put him in the little child seat in the trolley; be fine. He'd fit in the Twilight Imperium box. Yeah. Well, I would fit in the Twilight Imperium <laughs> box. Let's face it. I we, think every, I would everybody well. would. In fact, we could all, all just hide in the Twilight Imperium. Stick box some so wheels. Nothing to blow over. Stick <laughs> some wheels on the Twilight Imperium box, basically, and then you'd be home free. <laughs> That's fine. We shall do. We shall do that, and you shall yes. take those games, and that shall be fantastic. Um, this has been a lot of fun. This has been long. Oh my goodness! This has oh been. This has been. Exceptionally Sorry, you're into good the um, ramshackle ramblings territory of Polyhedron Collider here. It's not a problem at all. It's been a lot of fun. Um, if people have listened tonight, and they'll probably know where you guys exist already, but for those few people who aren't aware of where you exist on the interweb nets where can we find you Mr. Stephen Tudor of Polyhedron Collider well the first place to visit is polyhedroncollider.com okay. and from there you will find links to all other corners of the internet so um, we're on podcasts on iTunes uh, we also post them on all the other kind of podcast feeds that I can think of so we're on Stitcher and things like that um, all the podcasts also get put onto YouTube so you can get them on there uh, we're on Facebook Polyhedron to Collider I'm on Twitter at Polyhedron C and I consider myself reasonably active on Twitter so anyone who says anything I generally tend to reply Um. There's a Google Plus account somewhere, which I think I've stopped posting to. <laughs> did you ever start posting to? I did, because I was convinced it would help search engine rankings, yeah. because it's Google. I'm not quite sure if that worked. No. There's, there's probably, I think there's a Tumblr, there's an Instagram. I've, oh, there's a Flipboard. I actually quite like the Flipboard. I think more people should use Flipboard, but I don't think they do, actually. I'll need to check out. I'm not even sure what that is. <laughs> um... And if you want to keep an eye on what we're doing, then just do what he does. We do the same as what they do, which is we're on um, we're on Stitcher and Acast and Spreaker and YouTube and Mixcloud on occasion when I can be bothered to actually upload an episode to that, but you have to upload them separately because it doesn't accept an RSS feed for some reason. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on YouTube if you search for We're Not Wizards Tabletop. Everywhere else, if you just search for you, we are not wizards, you will find us. And we also live abouts on the Apple Podcast. Now, if you like what you have listened to tonight, then please drop a subscription because that really, really helps the show. Um, big th- thanks to um, Blake Leafday and Wookie No Pants for leaving <laughs> us some rather wonderful. Um, iTunes reviews very very much appreciated and to everybody else who's done that what they have done and what you should consider doing is they have decided not to give us a 10 because it makes us big headed but they have also decided not to give us a 1 
because um, it would make us cry. They, both those lovely people have decided to give us a five because that's in the middle. It's a bit average. And we are a bit average. Um, <laughs> and if you've got time, jump on to Polyhedron Collider on Apple Podcasts. Give them a listen. Give them a subscription. And if you like what you've heard from them, give them give them a five as well. Give them a one. Give them a five as well. One. Definitely five. a five. <laughs> give, them, give them a six. Because um, they would love that. Because they're definitely not average. But, um, yes. I would actually say, for everyone out there, if you like what you hear, like what you see with anyone, and it's not just us, any, anyone who writes reviews or podcasts, give them a like, give them a subscribe, but most importantly, say you like them. Yes. Because there's nothing, you know, share the stuff or just go on Twitter and just say, you know, thank you for your stuff or I like your stuff because you get these hits and you get these numbers and they're just mindless numbers, but somebody going, I mean, we went to the UK Games Expo, people coming up to us and going, oh, I like the podcast or I like the written reviews. It It's so much better. You know you're doing something more rewarding at that point than just getting a number of how many page views you've got. Yeah. I'm sure one day that somebody will tell us they like us as well. <laughs> one day. But, um... Listen, thank you very, very much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat. You know, this is an excellent way to end up the the kind of the holy trinity of Top Gear (laughs) podcast (laughs) board game related (laughs) nonsense that is Polyhedron Collider. Um, There is only two more things to do. And the first thing, as always, is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Mr. Tudor? No, we're not wizards. Definitely not. Definitely not. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from the wonderful, the fantastic, the multi-talented media content producer that is Mr. Stephen Tudor. Say goodbye. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes. And, yeah, you know... Check out all the content creators out there. We take time to make stuff for you to listen, for you to read, and for you to watch. Um, And remember the, the little guys out there. But until the next time, thanks for all your support. Big hugs. Show number 100 is coming up very, very soon. And uh, I still have no idea what we're going to be doing on it. <laughs> but until the next time... Goodbye. Say bye, Steve. Bye. Bye.